0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Window Watch. Connor Southall joined by Paddy Davitt to speak about all the Norwich City happenings in and out this transfer window. Um, Pad, I, I guess we better start with the one that's been confirmed today. Billy Gilmore, season-long loan from Chelsea. He comes with praise from pretty much anyone. If you Google any top footballer or ex-footballer or pundit or manager, uh, so Alex Ferguson, Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira, etc. He, he seems to have been praised well, dramatically by all of those, Graham Sooness as well. Um, talk to us a little bit about that addition. Norwich City have obviously beaten off a, a fair bit of competition to to land him. Um, you first reported the interest, what, a couple of weeks ago now. Talk to us a little bit about that addition and and, and Billy Gilmore more generally.
1: Well, it's a statement of intent, Connor. Yeah, absolutely. For those reasons. And that cast list of you know people queuing up luminaries of, of the game and players who knew what it, what it took to be an excellent central midfielder as well. You know, Souness, Keane, Vieira, I'll take that all day long if that's on my CV. And I'm a, I'm a young up and coming centre mid. Um, I think the best thing I've seen in the last couple of hours, actually, since since he was, well, two things, actually. Um, one is actually, on, if you go on Chelsea's official website, uh, confirming the news that he's moving to Norwich, they label him as one of the best British talents in recent seasons. And i and I think anybody who saw him, you know, bossing that game at Wembley, you know, he was credited as the the man of the match, wasn't he? That 0-0 Euro 2020 draw um, against players like Declan Rice and Mason Mount, his clubmate at Chelsea, and, and Calvin Phillips. The first two of those, who've, who've, or the, the second two, sorry, who've gone on and, and got huge praise for their role against uh, Germany the other night. He was the boss that night uh, against them at, at Wembley. And... um it, it, it is such an exciting... If you're an Norwich fan today, and you can see the reaction since since it's actually been confirmed, not since we saw him in an Norwich kit at uh, Norwich's training ground yesterday, I think the fallout from that will continue to rumble on. But since he officially was uh, unveiled this morning, um, you know, the praise is is lavish, really. And, uh, and the other thing, like I say, the Chelsea statement, I thought caught my eye, that he is one of the best British young talents but also, there was a Norwich fan, and uh, I put it into our fan reaction story, it's on pinken.com now, that <laughs> by way of a comparative, where we are with Norwich now, from when Farker and Webber first arrived, I think, was it July or June 2017, James Husband arrived, and now July 2021, Billy Gilmore arrives. Now, fair play to James Husband. He's got his career going again, I think he's in the Championship, is not he? He came up through black playoffs with Blackpool, so good luck to him. No, no, meant, No disrespect is meant, but... If you're going from signing James Husband to Billy Gilmore, you know the wheel has turned if you're if you're a Norwich fan. So, you know, it underlines a lot of things for me, I think, about how Norwich are going to attack this, um, that it isn't going to be, oh, my God, can we cling on to 17th or better? But they are constructing or trying to construct a squad. And we've seen Gilmore's the headline, but there's been a lot of action this week in and out. Um, and it, it all flows into less in terms of numbers, but raising the quality threshold. And I don't think, yes, he's 20. Yes, he doesn't have a huge amount of Premier League experience. So, as Daniel said in the official statement that quotes, let's just, you know, take a step back. He's a very young man, still finding his way. But that all said, um, if Keane, Ferguson, Vieira, Tuchel, all rate this guy highly, then, you know, they know what they're talking about. So Norwich have acquired a very, very exciting talent and and for me it's it's a signal that they want to get into the premier league they want to be more than competitive and they want to do more than stay up so um yeah let the good times roll connor
0: Absolutely. If you want to read all the quotes on Gilmore from those people that we've mentioned, and there's a few others as well, Cesc Fabregas, Frank Lampard, I left Jamie Redknapp out. Um, I thought that was probably wise. Uh, there's a nice summary there, a bit from Jose Mourinho um, as well. Lots of exciting words coming from a lot of people within the game who certainly know what it takes to be a very good midfielder. So that's um, that's good to see. We'll delve into Billy Gilmore a bit more in a second. Um, if you've got any questions, comments, uh, we'll be with you for about half an hour or so, probably slightly longer than that. Uh, Get them into the chat below and we'll try and get through as many as we can. Um, I'm just excited, Pad, by how many people are excited by the fact uh, that Window Watch was coming on. I mean, we've got... I don't think that's the case, Connor. I
1: think you're overplaying our influence here, mate.
0: Well, we've got Ben Ambrose saying, hurry up, lads, I'm getting restless. We've got uh, Canaries TV saying, um, sun's crying, just what window watches before we've gone live. So um, I, I think we've, we've given the people what they want this afternoon. What, which is...
1: what a disappointment when it actually goes live, Connor. <laughs> we you we only, can only apologise for this double act.
0: Well, exactly. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully we can uh, we can answer your questions and, uh, and, and give you a little bit of insight into no City's transfer window. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Billy Gilmore than pads. Um, in terms of... Norwich City's midfield. I think, you know, you don't need to be an expert to to realise it's pretty thin on the ground. It's what Jakob Sorensen, Lucas Rupp and Kenny McLean, they're Norwich City's three midfield options. Billy Gilmore becomes the fourth. They're looking for another and then Oli Skip if they can obviously get him back on loan. How do you think the dynamic will look with Billy Gilmore in there? Because he's someone who in the Premier League has largely played in a 4-3-3, largely under Frank Lampard. He's someone who has uh, obviously at the moment got 200 more minutes in the Premier League than Ollie Skip, for example, and is nine months younger. So kind of good and bad, I suppose. But does it hint to you towards a sort of change of system or a change of approach in how Norwich are going to sort of look at their central midfield?
1: Well, I mean, I know, Connor, on one of these recent broadcasts, I mean, you, you've got a sense that it might not just Billy Gilmore, but Rashid's are coming as well and Emi are going. Does that... It, Underline or, or demonstrate maybe more counter-attacking type of model. Um, I can see that, but I just think I just think flexibility will be the key to everything that Norwich are trying to do this season, and that's the type of player that the systems they operate, how Farker approaches the task as well. Um, off the pitch, the whole sports science and fitness side that Weber talked about in terms of if you can have less actual bodies in the building, you need to keep them fitter and keep them healthy. Um, I just think if we narrow that back down to Billy Gilmore and what this means for Rochester's midfield, I, I, I don't think it means per se that, you know, it's either A, you're going to be wedded to complete dominating games through possession or the counter-attacking. I just think, I just think there's going to be occasions in the Premier League where they'll need to be able to prioritise one over the other. And that'll inevitably be, you play the better sides. Are they going to dominate possession against the Man City? No, is the answer. Uh, even with Billy Gilmore in the side. So, Within the confines of the of the central midfield, you're going to need. There'll be occasions, both in term terms of from game to game and during games, where you'll need to be a bit better without the ball and protecting your back four uh, and that combative streak. And then inevitably, and I thought it was interesting again that you go back to the signing quotes. Billy Gilmore himself said he, having spoken to Farker, he wants to play the style of football I like, which is getting the ball down, possession based, um, progressive. So. I don't see. I don't see suddenly Norwich abandoning what really has been one of the key planks since Farker arrived. But by the same token, and we saw it in that first 2017-18 season, Farker had to go a bit more pragmatic. It couldn't just be cultured midfield options. You know, you know uh, that watershed game against Millwall always stands out, where Alex Tete actually was the one who benefited most and came back in and and added a bit more bite to to what they were trying to achieve in central midfield. And I think while Billy Gilmore is probably renowned for, for what he can do on the ball, by all accounts, he, he's not averse to putting his foot in and he's, he's good at the pressing game as well, which under Tuchel, you know, he demands that from his players, doesn't he? So I, I think it just signifies maybe on more a broader level, Norwich are trying to be a bit more flexible, a bit cuter, a little bit trying to keep teams off balance, not, not knowing quite clearly how Norwich want to go about the task from week to week, but, you know, maybe a signal that, you know, it's going to be less easy to pigeonhole because I'm pretty sure two seasons ago, Premier League opponents knew what Daniel Farker's team were all about, what they were trying to do. Not one-dimensional, that's, that's probably not the right way to put it, but but it, it was it was very much a lot of the eggs were in the same basket. Whereas now, I think you look at Rashita, he's, he's another one, he's he, he's a different dimension, a different type of player to Evi Buendia. Um, so that straight away tells me they're going to try and be a little bit different in the final third. And I think when you bring in a Billy Gilmore and they'll try and do another centre mid as well, um, that again, it's going to be different to how it was two seasons ago, where essentially he started with Tribal and Leitner. Um, and while they were on the ball, the Newcastle game stood out, the home game, very good. But I remember watching them at West Ham away and it was painful. The way West Ham just powered through them and 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 highlighted their lack of defensive um, screening ability, and uh, there's no way Norwich can be that one-dimensional again this time round, and, and I'm pretty sure Farker knows that as does Weber, and that's why a Gilmore signing for me is is allowing them to be a bit more multifaceted in their approach, as is Rashida. So, uh, and I think all the business that they will do from now to the end of the window will be with that in mind. That they have to be far more nuanced in their approach compared to two seasons ago in the Premier League. I think this sign-in, and again,
0: you referenced it earlier in terms of how i kind of getting the impression that maybe Norwich are going to look to be a bit more counter-attacking, however you want to to label it. For me, this is a really interesting one because of two elements. You spoke about his quality on the ball. He's a player who is really good in tight spaces, someone who is really good when there's lots of pressure on and needs to play through, perhaps, either a high press or if Norwich have won the ball and and they're... essentially deep in their own half and are keen to progress it then I think he's a fairly good option for that and then equally in that game at Wembley what he did very well off the ball was didn't necessarily put his foot in and make loads of challenges but he just slowed England's attacking options down when they had the ball and were running towards goal and that just allowed Scotland to to set their defensive shape so interesting in that regard but I think people will look at this pad and go is he an Oliver Skip type is he an Oliver Skip replacement? Yeah. Certainly, from from what we've seen, from what we've heard, from sort of all the all the quotes about him, it seems that he is more sort of, I, I guess, sort of targeted the role that Kenny McLean plays, or maybe a completely different role that maybe Norwich don't have at the moment. Do you, do you think that's fair, rather than perhaps someone who's going to come in and kind of take that Ollie Skip screening role? I think that's probably a fair assumption.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's definitely not a, a clone of Oli Skip. Ollie Skip was. Well, he was brilliant at championship level, at putting fires out, anticipating um, when Norwich were in danger of getting countered and turned over. Uh, his athleticism in one-on-one situations in five, ten-yard pockets was—I've uh, not really seen that in in a, in a Norwich shirt for for many a season. Maybe Tete when he first came in, sort of thing. Just his ability to read the game and and his and then his athleticism to actually—you know—whether it was just nicking a ball in front of a player or. Players trying to turn him, and, and he's he's just perfectly timed his tackle, and then he's given the ball. I, I think that's probably the difference for me. I don't I, I don't see him in in terms of his ability on the ball as quite as polished as a Gilmore. And again, again, referencing that how young this player is, that it's you know we need to we need to always remember that he's he's literally a baby at, at this level, and that for all the talent, he hasn't really had a huge amount of exposure in the Premier League. So, to basically drop him in now and say he will play 38 games for Norwich and he will dictate Premier League games week in, week out, I think is very unrealistic. So, you know, you must insert that caveat. But I do think on the ball, he will he will offer a far more than Ollie Skip. I think where maybe without the ball, well, let, let's see. But, but as I say, I mean, from the bits and pieces I've seen, he's, Maybe it's that Scottish uh, background. He's he's quite quite happy to put his foot in and uh, and and you know try and press and try and close players down. But I, I wouldn't say that's his strongest suit as opposed to maybe with Ollie Skip. So for me, no, it's definitely not a like for like in that regard um, because they still in an ideal world they'd like to bring Ollie Skip in. So you know, could you play them two together? Be a, be a hell of a, an exciting young uh, British-based uh, midfield. I'm not sure about. Maybe the experience factor for me would be a slight concern. But but in terms of what they could give in the right setting, that would be that'd be a very mouthwatering prospect.
0: Yeah, it certainly would. I mean, he's, he's a Daniel Varka player, isn't he, in terms of the way he likes to play technically. He likes to dictate tempos of games, like to get on the ball. We mentioned kind of playing in, in tight areas. Everything you kind of expect of a Daniel Varka midfielder sort of on the ball, he has. It's, it's going to be interesting to see, actually is off the ball elements and how strong they can be in a side that maybe in certain games won't dominate possession and whether he kind of loses his way in those games or whether he's capable of imposing himself on them. That's going to be fascinating uh, for me. In terms of the the, the central midfield debate, um, if we sort of zoom out and, and broaden it out, one name that Norwich have been linked to quite persistently really throughout this window, I think it was the, the Daily Mirror that reported it first, is former midfielder Philip Billing who would offer that size and, and physique and power and energy I suppose that, that maybe Gilmore doesn't have and when Stuart Weber talked about physicality and the need to bring in physicality that wasn't necessarily I think as we've spoken about on here size and physique it, w- it was more different sorts of physicality so how maybe how good someone is at consistently sprinting or other elements of, of physique beyond just pure height and power. Um, Billing would be sort of Physique in the traditional sense, is he someone that because I mean, we've spoken about Gilmore's size is what five foot six, very technically based.
1: No, no, no. no. I, I was told a little anecdote at his, me, at his medical. Uh, <laughs> he said to the doctor or, or the, Nor- whoever the Norwich person was who was performing it that he was five foot seven and a bit. And the doctor right. said <laughs> straight away, Yeah, when you're five foot seven, that bit is quite important, isn't it? So, yeah, not five foot six, Connor, five foot seven okay. and a bit. That's from the man himself.
0: Five foot, five foot seven in a bit then. But when you've got someone who maybe doesn't have the physique in terms of pure power and maybe has that possibility of getting rolled by bigger midfielders, particularly in the Premier League, is someone like Philip Billing, not necessarily him, but someone in that mould, sort of pivotal to balancing off Norwich City's midfield to make sure they don't get kind of physically outdone, which was the case on a lot of occasions last time in the Premier League?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that even at a Premier League level set pieces, which was something Norwich were were found wanting um, quite regularly, uh, particularly that project restart period uh, towards the end of the previous Premier League season. I remember the Everton game at where Michael Keane near post and and there was one or two instances like that. So in terms of the the physicality of a billing, we'll say, uh, type player, um, it's not not only what they offer in terms of the midfield uh, craft, but it is, you know, defending set-pieces is very important part of the game. You know, the quality that Premier League players have to deliver balls into your box, you know, it's a facet of the game you can't overlook. And and Gilmore, with the greatest respect, will give a lot of things to Norwich, but he's not really going to help you out defending uh, set-pieces. So, Billing is definitely the one they like. So, Just saw the question pop through there. He's um, one they'd like to do, absolutely. Um, Stuart Weber, a huge fan from their time at Huddersfield. I think Farker likes him as well. I think Farker would see him as a project Um maybe in a, in a little bit in the same way that, you know, they saw raw material in, in a Ben Godfrey and, and converted him to a centre-back as it was. I'm not saying convert billing, but but in terms of the physical attributes are there, the technical attributes are there, uh, that power, that, that athleticism. Um, but for me, I, I look at him and, you know, he hasn't, he, he hasn't really, you know, stamped his authority at Huddersfield. He went on to Bournemouth. It's not really happened for him there. So, you know, I, I just think there is a player there, but but whether he's, he's oven ready for what Norwich need in the Premier League next season, because that type of player you would, you would again, want to be able of dominating games at that level. And I don't think he's necessarily shown us that in his career, but but he does fit the profile and he's definitely one they like. Um, but as always, and, and I think Scott Parker has gone into Bournemouth now, and that was confirmed yeah. the last couple of days. So that I'm sure is a huge factor in, the viability of could they get him out of Bournemouth? What will Scott Parker want to do now? What does he think of the boy building? You know, does he does he want to give the existing squad a chance or, or is he more of the, we need to turn things around here and have a bit of churn? And if so, and there's an opportunity to bring that lad in, he's definitely one they would like to do, no doubt about it. But again, it'll probably come down to the finances as well.
0: Yeah, and you look at the midfield they're assembling, they've they've got a lot of different options now, which I guess is what you were alluding to in terms of preparing themselves perhaps in a little bit of a better way than they did last time, where, uh, as you referenced, they started with Tribal and Lightner, and then eventually kind of worked their way to McLean and Tetty. And it was yeah. essentially two very defensive midfielders um, because their defence wasn't good enough, uh, to, to be frank. So it, it is interesting now the type of midfielders that they're bringing in. And that is the one, isn't it? The big kind of physical... Um, almost muscular central midfield that they're missing that can impose themselves on games physically rather than technically, I suppose. And whether Ollie Skip Combative, isn't he? But not in terms of physicality. He's not particularly tall or imposing, I suppose, in stature. That does seem like the the box that needs filling now. And um I, I guess I guess Billing is the one to that sort of fits those those boxes of the links that we've heard so far. Of course, um one could could pop up from nowhere as, as they they very often do. Um, just to round off the midfield debate, then, Pad. We had a link, and I can't believe this was this week. It feels like last week, which goes to show what sort of week this has been. Um, Thomas Delaney linked from Borussia Dortmund. Um, by Sky Sports Germany, I think it was, wasn't it? Early part of the week, uh, it was Norwich, Palace, and Southampton. I think were the the three clubs. Which immediately, I think, when you see a report like that, suggests uh, an agent potentially putting a name out there or something that maybe doesn't quite click. But um, this was one that turned out Norwich aren't in for for Thomas Delaney, which I think a, a lot of people could have predicted. There was a lot of debate around his age and whether Norwich City would sign someone of his age, 29 um, at the moment. The fee or reported fee was £30 million. And there was a lot of debate, particularly on Twitter, that I saw about resale value and Norwich City signing players that need to have that. Um, you wrote a good piece on this. Uh, I'm not asking you to kind of <laughs> uh, read it out, but it just kind of summarise your thoughts on that link. And whilst, although that one isn't true, it doesn't mean that Norwich City aren't going to sign, a, let's say, a 29-year-old in the future.
1: No, I mean, yeah, I mean the gist of that was having seen that debate, and it's it's a very valid debate because how does if you if you think that the Norwich model and the Weber and Farker is is essentially a, a Madison, a Godfrey, uh, Jamal Lewis to, to to develop players, young talented players, develop them. We're talking about you know Farker getting hold of Billing and what he could do with him, but but he's shown it already with those type of players, and then you sell them on for huge markups from from what you originally brought them in. And he went there as well, throw him in into the mix. Um, but I, I don't think that is necessarily 100% black and white. That's how Norwich operate in the transfer window because, you know, there's counter arguments to that. And, and most recently, in the last 24 hours or so, Ben Gibson confirmed, you know, he's a 28-year-old defender, um, £8 million, uh, it's a sizable outlay for Norwich, signs a three or four-year deal, was it? I mean, he's, you wouldn't say he has huge amounts of resale value at that level. So, you know, I, I think, I think there's, there's, I could see, I couldn't see Delaney at 13 million, but could I see a 28, 29 year old around their, their transfer record? I think I probably could actually. Yeah, because, you know, they need they need probably in certain parts of the team to have that more finished product rather than a, you know, a project or a work in progress. Which, of course, you know, Gilmore certainly is, will be only on loan. Um, Rashid said there's a huge unknown about him you know he's still fairly a young man you know he's only his mid-20s but coming from the Bundesliga now a Delaney type of player what does he offer you well he's been playing in the Champions League for a top-ranked club only in the past season um, and he's now part of a Danish team we've got some quarters of the Euros he's played every game started every game you know he is a serious seasoned operator who I think even though he hasn't played in the Premier League you'd be reasonably confident with his backstory you could bring him into the Premier League and he'd be able to adapt fairly quickly so I don't see Delaney necessarily, but I wouldn't rule out a you know, sizable transfer for for a, a, an older player because, you know, ultimately Norwich now are in the part of the cycle where it's about not coming straight back down again to then try again. You know, that's going to be increasingly difficult to do that. They're, they're all about, and you see a signing of Gilmore's, you know, caliber, they're all about trying to stay up this season and then push on from there. So, you know, if you need a li- little bit of, you know, finished article then then I wouldn't necessarily rule it out but yeah just to reiterate nothing in, in Delaney I, I read that to be he's got apparently 12 months left on his Dortmund deal are they are, his, are the people around about him you know thinking a we want to pressure Dortmund into something contractually or B is it I fancy a nice payday in a Premier League and then if it is then you, you you're looking down a list of Premier League clubs and who might need a defensive midfielder lo and behold out pops Norwich and there's your link so you know that that's probably probably it's probably more coming from those angles rather than you know Norwich have shown any concerted interest. But of course, you know, they're in the market for central midfielders, they'll be scouring the net far and wide. I'm sure he would be on a list of uh, you know recruitment sort of led analysis. So um, you know, it's it's you know, if they're going to bring in lads from Chelsea, then uh, we can't we can't ever strike a line through these definitively. But uh, I'd think at 13 million that's and and the, for me. Doing what he's doing at Euros, there'll be other clubs who are now maybe see him and see how influential he is for Denmark and think twelve months left. Yeah, he's he, he could probably do a job for us. So I could see I could see him uh, probably looking slightly higher than you know a newly promoted club in the Premier League. So, but it's an interesting one. And uh, you know what we do know for definite is whether it's uh, irrespective, partly Oli skip they want to do a central midfielder and and they're willing. as Stuart Weber said at the start of summer to. To, to set a new transfer record to either do that or do a centre-back. You know, the well-worn stories we had around Christopher Ayer, you know, the Celtic Norwegian International. It's going to take club record fees, I think, now to bring in the type of additions they want to improve this squad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll just round off the kind of midfield chat by, by speaking about Oli Skip because uh, Paul on, on Facebook has said anything in, in the Skip room is starting again. And obviously, this has... I suppose moved on to an extent, but not really, uh, purely in the fact that Spurs now have a head coach, which is something that they haven't had for the rest of the summer. Uh, and you know uh, who, who was at Wolves, of course. I think he, off the top of my head, gifted 14 players at Wolves under the age of 22. Their sort of senior debuts, um, so is clearly a manager who is open to giving youth an opportunity. We heard in his his first interview as as Spurs boss, um, him speaking about the quality in the academy and it being part of his brief to utilise that um, if necessary. Although central midfield is quite a bloated part of Spurs' squad, so it just feel still at the moment that Skip's immediate future hinges on a, a, a few things. Initially. What Nuno thinks of him and of course he's injured at the moment. That's something that Norwich are kind of hoping will will work in their favour as we get towards the, the back end of, of the window. It sounds like Harry Winks' future as well is, is going to be fairly important to dictate and whether Ollie Skip stays at Spurs next season or not because if Winks is there then that probably does block his route and if you're Ollie Skipper you're going to want to stay at Spurs after a season of having played consistently being on the bench or playing in in sort of what is it the European Conference League or whatever I'm not even sure if they're in that um so it's it's a difficult one from that regard in terms of what this Billy Gilmore move does that is one of Norwich City's two Premier League loan spots that they've now activated so it's fair to say if we see another Premier League loan arrive then that means that Ollie Skip is not possible and if we don't then it means that that is kind there is still hope in terms of that um any sort of updates in terms of Ollie skip pad? I mean, it's it's been a difficult one because there's been so much uncertainty around Spurs.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it's hard It's hard to second-guess where Nuno would, would see him fitting in there. I I, I, I think, personally, he'd probably, he'd probably go back to Wolves and try and get Ruben Neves or something like that, or Moutinho. Yeah, yeah. He'd still do you a job, wouldn't he? So, um, and, and I think the big factor here is that he is as we sit here today, injured and will be for the majority of pre-season, you know, if not right up until the start of the season. Um, I think 12 weeks off the top of my head was the original timeline uh, for the broken foot. So, Nuno's not going to be able to run the rule over him. That's, that's the fundamentals of it. You know, you're going to get into the Premier League season, then you're going to get pretty close to the window closing and, and will he have seen enough of Ollie Skip to make a definitive decision that this guy right here, right now, can be part of it this coming season. So, while it was horrendous news for the lad at the time uh, when he did what he did, uh, I think it might, it might really be Norwich's trump card because if, if Nuno arrives at the conclusion, well, I just can't make a decision on him because I won't be able to see him um, enough. Then Ollie Skip won't want to kick his heels, as you rightly say, in the shadows between now and January. So, so I think it's safe to say if he's not featuring, he will be going on loan and then it's just where, where he goes. And, uh, you know, we were talking about this before we came onto the broadcast. I, I'm pretty sure there'll be other interested Premier League clubs looking at him, mid-to-lower-ranking Premier League clubs because of what he did. We talked at the outset about how influential he was for Norwich in the Championship. Um, He really was one of the cornerstones of what they went on to achieve last season. No two ways about it. Maybe not in the same headline-grabbing way as Emi Buendia or Timu Puki, even the central defenders and, and what the back four did. But you take him out of that last season and it's a different outcome for me. He was that influential. So clubs in the Premier League will have seen that. He's got the pedigree because, you know, you're not at Tottenham and coming through there if you haven't got something about you. So I think it's safe to assume Ollie Skip, will, uh, one of two things will happen. He'll either get a chance in Tottenham's plans under Nuno, uh, a genuine chance to stake a claim, or they'll be loaning him out. And if they loan him out, you'd like to think, and we talked again about this just off air, you know, Ollie Skip today has a look at that and sees Billy Gilmore going to Norwich. I, I like the sound of that. I like what the set signal that sends. They're obviously trying to have a good go at it. Um, maybe I fancy being a part of that game because it, the thing with him is it's not you're not you're not pushing against the closed door. He knows how Daniel Farker works. He knows the setup. How Stuart Weber works. He knows what it's all about. There's a lot of ticks in that box in terms of him. If he's been told at Tottenham, it's not going to happen for you this season. Where he goes next, there's there's a huge amount of draw factors back to Norfolk rather than you know. I don't. Know, hypothetically, we'll say a, I don't know, we'll say a, say a, say a Southampton, for example, wanted to take him. He doesn't. He doesn't really know, you know, the ins and outs of how it operates. You know what their manager is going to demand of him over there. Uh, the playing squad, the style, that the whole thing that goes with moving to a different club. All of that is a given at Norwich. So th- there's there's a huge amount of plus points to why Norwich might be at, at the head of a potential loan queue. But you know, ultimately. Um, for the reasons already stated with Nuno, not maybe being able to sort of count on him until the start of the season. It'll be the same with Norwich, hence why Gilmore's in the building. They'll look to do another centre mid. And if on top they can get in Gilmore, uh, sorry, get in Ollie Skip, then all well and good. I mean, as Stuart Webber said when we went and spoke to him at the end of the season, I think the quote was along the lines of, if we have to wait for the final hour of the final day of the window for Ollie Skip and we get him, we'll wait. So to take your point, if we don't see another loan in the Premier League between now and, you know, the start of the season, then safe to assume they're probably holding the door open for Ollie Skip. If they do do another loan sign in, then the decision's probably already been made, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think as well, there seems to be a. I don't want to say a perception because it might be wrong, but I think I think it's this idea that there's either two solutions for him. He either stays at Spurs or he goes on loan to Norwich. I'm not sure it's as crystal clear as that. I think you mentioned other clubs being interested. I just wonder if there was one that maybe popped up that perhaps didn't have the kind of threat of relegation or that yeah. kind of battling against survival, the drop, so to speak. If um you mentioned Southampton, we could shut wolves in there. I think you could you could reference several Premier League teams that if that popped up, then maybe he would see that as a a step up to where Norwich are now, so that's another interesting element. I'm not sure it's, it's clear cut as well. Spurs don't want him, so he'll end up at Norwich. I think it it, it could be yeah. that Norwich, like they have with Billy Gill, will have to fight with several other interested parties for Ollie Skip. So it's um it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that. And um, we'll we'll get on to, to a few of your questions, and then we'll go on to some of the kind of outgoings that we've we've seen this week. Um, or have you got your hanky? That,
1: you got your hanky already for Marco, mate? When we get to just,
0: that just about i think just about yeah uh we'll start with this question on youtube uh someone has said uh, heard reese nelson is available and free english clubs are interested are we one of those free? it's certainly not a name that i've heard Link with norwich pad
1: no, no. I think Tavernier was the one I saw in terms of right back. He's a, he sort of can operate down the right, can't he? Right-hand side. I but, uh, yeah, I think
0: he's a bit of jack of all traits, isn't he, recently yeah, yeah. I think He can kind of play everywhere. Wasn't it? Wasn't he one of the players that was linked in the Arsenal swap deal
1: for Buendia? January, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah it was him. It was, was it Willick as well? I think might be yeah. thrown in the mix. Um, I, think, I think his salary demands probably would take that out of the equation before you even get to the footballing demands. But... Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't see that, and I, I don't think there's too much in the Tavernier one as well. The lad who was—he's at Rangers, isn't he? I think he's the head captain, isn't he? Um, he was touted as well, but in the last sort of four48 hours. But I don't think there's anything in that. And obviously, we we had the line last week, was it? I think strike a line through Bogle um, at, uh Sheffield United now, the former Derby right back. And, he, and he, this debate is obviously all sort of interlinked with—is Max Aaron staying? Is Max Aaron's going? And one thing we didn't mention—I've mentioned—I keep banging this hypothetical drum, you know don't rule out an Ollie skip, Max Aaron's a few extra quid on the table kind of vibe as well. I mean, again, it makes me laugh when I see Tottenham have revived their interest in Max Aaron's. When I see those reports, take revived that the interest has been there for quite a number of transfer windows yeah. now. And and it's, it's irrespective of who the coach is because a bit like the same model Norwich have got, it's somebody else pulling the strings in terms of recruitment. I know there's another new lad's gone in there. Paratici has gone in there this week into Tottenham as their sporting director. So, um, but I don't think there's any renewal of him. I think the interest is there. If, if they're looking to make a change in terms of their right-backs, Max Arons will be pretty high up their list, I would have thought. So is that a factor in the whole Ollie Skip conundrum? Who knows? But, um, yeah, no. Uh, Reece Nelson, don't see it, mate.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting with Spurs, isn't it? Because Steve Hitchin is the one that, that Stuart Weber has a fairly close relationship yeah. with. Uh, the, the lad that you mentioned there who's coming as Sporting Director, it's going to be interesting to see where Hitchin quite fits into that because I think he had, not sure of his official title, but he, was, he had a fairly senior position. So if he now perhaps doesn't have the sway that he once did over transfers, ins and outs, then maybe that will um, that will shift what, what Norwich City can do in terms of Spurs and their relationship with Spurs as well. Um, Jake Tidy on YouTube has said, uh, do you expect Norwich to make any uh, any signings within the next two to three weeks?
1: Yeah, it's hard, hard to say. I mean, we're talking again about this off air that you know, we, our understanding was that Oya, the, the centre-back, the Celtic player, the Norwegian international, that was a long, long way down the track. Um, won't put a figure on it, but but it wouldn't have taken too many more obstacles to clear for that deal to have got put together. Now, you know, reading between the lines, it looks like Celtic are digging their heels in a little bit. There was reports in the German media because Leverkusen were linked to him that uh, that Celtic are demanding a figure that they, they're not willing to pay and, and and certainly Stuart Weber isn't a man who's going to get bullied in the transfer market, that is for sure. So, you know, w- you know could you deduce from that that maybe Ayer, it would be would be open to, to maybe a Premier League opportunity? But clearly, you know, you need to reach an agreement with his club as well. So, you know, he's only got 12 months, I think, contractually left. You can understand Celtic want to drive a hard bargain. They've made a centre-back signing this week. I've seen them linked with another Croatian under-21 international for £3 million. Are they getting their players in before they then sanction an IA departure? Um, so that's a long winded way of saying, you know, two to three weeks. If the IRA deal a lot of the the I's and T's were, were were crossed and dotted, then then you could probably revive that if there was any encouragement from the Celtic end. So I think something of that nature could happen. Um, but certainly right now, I think it's been quite a quite a flood of ins, outs shake it all about. So this week I don't um, I don't see anything imminently, but uh you know, never say never. With Norwich, the way they, the way they operate and the way they move, and 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 for oh yeah, you can read a lot of these. You know, a lot of these things have many moving parts, and it doesn't take a huge amount for things to fall into place very quickly. You know, Villa and, and Buendia, that moved very swiftly after endless sort of Arsenal this and a bit of Villa that, and then more Arsenal this. Um, you know, the actual nuts and bolts of that deal got put together at pretty breakneck speed. So, you know, it can happen in the next two or three weeks, but. I think most Norwich fans, I get the sense now that, they, you know, they're very happy now where at this stage of the summer, where they are in terms of, you know, the, the business they've done, you know, it's, it is essentially five senior signings. If you include your and Gibson, along with Rashidza gun, and now Gilmore, that's a pretty healthy comparative. I, I haven't looked this morning, but I bet if you looked at the other 19 Premier League clubs, there's probably not too many. You've done five deals already. So, you know, you, you put Norwich in the front rank of those who've, who've actually started to move things along, um, And now maybe there will be a little bit of a pause. Uh, Players are back obviously next week, the the non-Euro contingent. So maybe the focus will switch back to there for a week or two. But you can be sure that, you know, plenty of work is still going on because ultimately they still know there's one or two areas of the squad that they need to address.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to mention about the, the players returning from pre-season. I think inevitably you see a little bit of a pause, don't you, in terms yeah. of not just Norwich City's transfer business, business more widely as um, as teams kind of assess which players perhaps have come back looking fairly sharp and those that haven't and um, kind of fine-tuning their plans a little bit. Uh, ben on YouTube has said, will Sam McCallum be staying in the building as, uh, as secondary sort of left-back cover?
1: No, no, I don't think so. No, I mean, again, I think we were told... Something like seven or eight clubs had already inquired for him, predominantly at championship level, within you know two or three weeks of the end of the season. He clearly did do a very, very impressive season at Coventry on loan. You know His former club, that's who Norwich got from originally. I think at the start of that loan spell, there was a little bit he was getting used sort of the opposite flank and used in a wing-back role. But I think as the season progressed uh, for Cov, he, uh, he established himself on that left-hand side, uh, wing-back or in a back four. Um, and, and really was, you know, quite a, quite a solid operator in a team who, who achieved their objective of staying in the championship. But obviously, just about stayed up. I think they they finished sort of lower mid table. I think now, if you're Norwich and you're Neil Adams, you're probably thinking, well, the gap from there to being given your new list is the first choice, probably just you know sitting on the bench in a Premier League level, not really going to aid his development. So maybe now it'll be about, I would imagine, pitching him mid to higher end of the championship, get him another season there, get him another season of regular football and then who knows, you know, 12 months on. I mean, he was originally sent out because they were a bit concerned, not about his uh, his attacking players or full-back, but maybe the defensive side of his game. Um, by all accounts, you know, he, he, he's come on in that area last season at Coventry. Um, another season of, of development at, at mid to higher level championship end and uh, depending on where Norwich find themselves in 12 months, then he could come back and, and he might be a lot closer to the to the first eleven than he is currently, but no, I don't see. It. I think Byron is in that you know scenario, isn't he? In terms of you know if he's fit, he showed two seasons ago before he got injured. He was keeping Jamal out of the side at left back, so he could clearly do a job if he gets back to that level. And if so, um, irrespective of what happens on the right hand side of the defence with Max, I think they'd probably go Yunuless and um, and they'd go Sam Byram and of course uh, the, the, the Danish uh, Lizarazu, you know uh, Jacob Sorensen, he could do you a job. I don't know if he could do a job in the Premier League against some of their some of the wide players he'd come up against, but uh, he certainly didn't let anybody down at Championship level. So you know, in an emergency, who knows? But hopefully, you know, your new list will be the a man.
0: Yeah, given how green he looked against this Malasara, I'm not I'm not quite <laughs> sure about that. Yeah, yeah um, exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, yeah, I think what McCallum was playing as a wing back last year, wasn't he, for Coventry? So I think ideally you'd probably want to see him in a in a flat yeah. back four, like you said, a team of no disrespect to Coventry, that's maybe a bit more upwardly mobile and, and having... Hold on, hold
1: uh, on, hold on. We'll have none of that.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and a bit more likelihood of perhaps playoff contention. But who knows? Mark Robbins has, has done a fine job there. Uh, the Marvellous X on Periscope has said, uh, you stated that we wouldn't be in for a striker. Has the view changed with Soto's departure? Um, let's part of that question for a moment, Pat. We'll come back to that. Let's speak to about Soto uh, now, though. We kind of understand that... Uh, we saw those links with with Porto, Porto's sort of B team, uh, however you want to sort of dress it up. That yeah. looks like a goer. It looks like it's something that's going to happen, a, a loan to buy, as, as we understand it. Talk to us a little bit about why you think that decision has been made, because he was only brought in 12 months ago on a free from Hanover. We've seen him go on loan to Telstar. There was then a real clamour to get that work permit and for him to return in January, but he came back and didn't really feature for the under-23s. So, Talk to us a little bit about why you feel they've reached this decision now that maybe is the time for to send him out on loan. And I guess the option of a future fee suggests that maybe they don't see a pathway or, or, or a plan that ends with him being a, a first-team regular at Norwich.
1: That's it in a nutshell, Connor. The, the buy option in that proposed deal, the decision is made. If you're Daniel Farker, Stuart Webber, they have arrived at the conclusion that Sebastian Sotto isn't what they're looking for in terms of you know the mid-to-longer term. Um, they're amassing a huge amount of strikers in that development pool, aren't they? You know, it feels like every window they, they go out and bring new talent in, and some of that gets recycled and, and heads off again. I think the Tristan Abrahams and those type of players. Uh, it's a it is a surprise one, and then when you see, okay, it might be initially Porto's B team, but but the fact that it is a team who one of the European heavyweights, you know, finished second again in the Portuguese top flight, they're in the Champions League group stages for this coming season, um, and and they're willing to, you know, take him on loan with a view to buy. So from Porto's angle, they seem to have seen something in him of, of the potential variety. Um, but I don't know, you know, it comes down to opinions, doesn't it? And, and what Daniel particularly wants from his strikers. And, uh, you know, maybe they, they've looked at him uh, at close quarters, because that's what Daniel said all along. When he was scoring the goals he was for Telstar in the second tier in Holland, Daniel was very quick to dampen down. And then, of course, he got his US call up and he scored for the US on his first senior appearance. Whenever you spoke to Daniel second half of last season, he was very quick to dampen down the expectations about this guy. So, you know, in Daniel's mind, is he is he not quite what he, he would view the, the, the archetypal sort of Daniel Farker type striker? You, you obviously put him up against the team with I don't think he's that type of player in terms of his craft what he looks to be is a an excellent finisher you know if he if he gets a chance that goal he scored in for, for Telstad of comparatives with Van Basten the back post volley um you know that's a high, high tariff strike that so there is something there um but maybe not enough for Daniel right here right now to, to bring him in I mean obviously Adam Eder uh, to, mm. to sort of maybe stitch that previous question about are they still in for a striker not now they brought Rashica in I, I don't think they will look to bring in an out and out striker um you could argue post sort of and leaving and Buendia leaving now, do they need somebody in the two or three positions behind the main striker? But in terms of the main striker position, no, it's Timu when he's fit will play, and and if not, it's probably going to be Adam Eder will be the next cab off the rank. And and if you're Daniel Farker and Adam Eder is seen as the the best of the young crop, then Sebastian Soto with the greatest will in the world isn't going to get an opportunity in the next season or two. Um, and if that's the case, then and you get this could potentially be a million euros is, is the, the figure reported. Then for a player you've got on a free transfer in the pure financial sense, that's an excellent bit of business. And I'm sure there'll be attendant clauses and sell-ons so that if, if he really catches in Portuguese football and, and really blossoms and goes on to bigger and better things, you know, there'll be a kickback for Norwich in terms of the sell-on fee. But um, financially, it's pro- <laughs> you'd probably say that's another, that's another astute piece of business that they've found a lad who was You know, coming to the end at Hanover, got him on a free transfer, turned him around, pushed him out the door again and potentially going to get a million euro for him. Um, But it it does strike you as, you know, a very, very definitive decision quite early in that man's Norwich career. You know, if they've decided he's not for them, but, uh, you know, they, they will have seen him day in, day out, second part of last season at close quarters. And, you know, I'm sure that decision has been reached uh, for, the, for the good of uh, what Daniel Farker is trying to do this season. But, uh, yeah, when you see Porto linked, you do does raise an eyebrow, doesn't it? And, you know, I saw one or two tweets immediately from Norwich fans. Well, if he's good enough for Porto, what, how on earth is he not good enough for Norwich? But I think it is worth reiterating that initially, he is seen as part of their B team uh, rather than, you know, going straight into Conte Sal, I think, is the head coach there, into his Champions League sort of pool. I don't think he's quite at that level yet. So... If it happens, then good luck to the lad. And I'll I'll certainly be watching his career closely from here, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's it's interesting. It is interesting what you said there about the financials as well. That will be a part of it. Some of these players that Norwich City do sign who are relatively young, they're not always with the intention of being first team regulars at Norwich, it's a yeah. case of maybe getting some quick profit out of them on, on occasion, or getting them to a level where they can get them a career elsewhere. Sotto is maybe someone who left on a free that they felt they could get some value in relatively quickly um, across a year, as you mapped out there. That's clearly something they've done. If this goes through with a one million uh, euro sort of clause, then then that they have made sort of a million quid profit on a player who's who's never played a first team game for the club which is relatively good going and and then equally the Eda stuff is interesting as well because Soto uh, I was just having a look there actually turns 21 at the end of this month Adam Ida is still only 20 uh, there's there's about six months between them and Adam Ida is essentially in know city's second choice striker at the moment isn't he so if you're looking in terms of age profiles at the moment certainly in terms of Norwich City, Adam Ida is significantly ahead of Sebastian Soto. And maybe that's why this decision has been reached as well, because Norwich kind of have their young striker who's knocking on the door. And, and Daniel Farkas clearly um, assessed it and, and clearly feels that Ida is is a lot closer than than Soto is. So, um, yeah, that's, as you said, it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on at Porto once, uh, once that one's all confirmed. But uh, a little bit more work to do as of yet. Um, Let's answer the, the second part of, of that question, which you kind of did uh, from the Marvellous X about um, Norwich City strikers uh, and maybe why they're not going for a striker. The name that was linked, um, when was it? Middle of, of last month, Adam Armstrong. Um, we, we've heard that. I think we said on on last week's show that that is one now that, that we believe is looking increasingly unlikely, both the financial elements and also perhaps other Premier League teams that are in, in for him mean that, that that's not going to be possible for Norwich. And we kind of mapped out what it would take in terms of perhaps different things aligning and the fee significantly dropping and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, as Pad mapped out there, I think there's probably a bit more of a debate, as you said, about the attacking positions because suddenly um, with Stephen Moon gone, Buendia gone, um, we, we've seen a few players leaving those attacking positions. Josh Martin as well, another one who will come on to in a second. That leaves a little bit of space in those kind of free positions behind the striker, doesn't it? Now you've got essentially Todd Campwell on El Hernandez, Milo Rashita um Kieran Dowell essentially, uh unless I'm missing anyone, which is, which Pohetzer. Pohetzer. is tighter, of course, yeah, but then even his future is undecided, isn't it? So yeah. do you think we'll see Norwich once they have sorted their priorities? And I, I think it's interesting in terms of this talk about a striker, it's not they don't want to sign a striker. I think it's more they're prioritizing other positions. And yeah. uh, we kind of mentioned the central defensive options, the central midfield options. If an opportunity came up for a, for a striker that was too good to turn down, then they'd do it, wouldn't they? Um, but but ultimately, that doesn't look likely. Strikers are are expensive as well. That will undoubtedly be a part of it. But do you see them bringing in perhaps a few options for those sort of players behind Timu Puki, behind Adamida, in those kind of attacking midfield positions before the end of the window?
1: Well, it's a really interesting one because you would think they probably do need to do that, but then. You know, if the priority, as it seems to be, is centre back, centre mid, that might be another 20 million gone, you know, re- realistically uh, for the quality of player that they're trying to attract and the quality of player they're getting linked with. So, irrespective again, part of the skip, you know, that could come off if it does fine. But but if if you spent another 20 million uh, on top of what they've already outlaid so far this window, um, you're going to have to be very creative to then add at the top end of the pitch, as in just behind Timu and, and just to reiterate on Timu, you and know, I've seen a few comments about he's, he's not, he's not maybe good enough for this level still, but there's only one man's opinion accounts really. And that's Daniel Farker. And if he's fit, he will play for Daniel Farker in the Premier League week in and week out. And they'll only play one striker. I would imagine he's not suddenly going to revise, uh, you know, and go two up top. That's not going to happen. Uh, maybe in the odd game is if the game dictates, but It'll be one up top. It'll be Timu Puki until he's no longer fit enough, uh, or, or maybe the form is really gone as it did two seasons ago. But um, the three positions behind there, well, you, you know you look at it, and if you know if 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 they if they lined up against Liverpool, we'll say hypothetically on the opening weekend with Rashid, uh, Countwell, Dowell, um, I don't think anybody be too unhappy with that, would they? As as your front three, and then. From is it more about depth, though,
0: on that point? What happens if Todd Cantwell does get injured? Well, then you're essentially would. asking players that didn't really play a great deal in the Championship yeah. to step into a Premier League environment.
1: Which is this? That is the point. But then again, that's where it would have been probably next cab off the rank would have been Marco Stieperman. and And I don't think too many Norwich fans parking the emotion of what he did for them before when he left uh, and the deserved sort of recognition he got. You wouldn't have been overly happy if Marcus Stepan was coming off the bench or starting games because of an injury or or a suspension to to the the aforementioned trio. But so you would say you would say purely in those terms, yes, they do need to do one. But let's be honest: if you're looking for a Miller Rashitsa level signing, you're talking another nine or ten million. Have Norwich got nine or ten million for that position of the pitch when they want to spend that probably on a centre back and a centre mid? Answer is probably not, unless okay, unless Max Aaron's departs. We'll say, and then if he departed. Then it's a game changer, but obviously, then you need to address the right back position. So, you know, pieces on a chessboard essentially is where we're at. And um, and I think right here, right now, the priority is those two positions: centre back, centre mid. Um, but of course, we're talking about you know they do have a they do have potentially one Premier League loan up their sleeve. Is there a? I dare to name the bloke because it, it went pear shaped pretty quickly. But a Patrick Roberts type of plucked from a, a top end Premier League club. We know how tight Farka is with Guardiola. Um, could you get one of? But then, of course, you know you bring in a lad of that ilk for that club. There's probably going to have to be guarantees of how much game time they get, rather than have him and it, you know play him, don't play him. So it's a very difficult balancing act. But that would be one potential avenue if we get towards the end of the summer and uh, and they've got a Premier League loan option and it isn't going to be skipped. Could you maybe bolster your three behind Pookie in, in that area? Because I, I just don't see at this stage, if Aaron stays in the building financially, how you could the grade of play you'd need to improve what you've got there in that three behind, the, the money that would require, I just don't see it. So, um, because I think the priorities are elsewhere given the finances they've got available. But it's a fair point and, and you're right to ask it. I think fans are right to ask. If you go with Cantwell, Rashidza, and Dowell, all well and good. But the chances are, at some point in the season, one or more of those aren't going to be available. Who steps up then, you know? It was proven two seasons ago. Hey, McLean was tried there. Steven was tried there. Andre Duda, none of them really worked, did they? And and as a result, Norwich, at the top end of the pitch, were pretty fitful at mid to second part of the Premier League season. It's an absolutely key area to pitch. Particularly as a newly promoted side, you need to have a bit of guile and a bit of, bit of endeavour and a bit of cunning to unlock Premier League defences. And, uh, you know... I can understand why there might be a little bit of concern if they were to go into the season and they haven't now added to that position because you are asking, a they will say, or a Hernandez um, to come in and do you a job there. And, and I, I don't think we'd be overly confident they could influence games at Premier League level.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess the other option is Adamida, who we have seen him play in those, yeah, those white not. positions before, whether that's something that that perhaps they feel they've got a little bit more cover there because of, of, of him playing. They played there against Rotherham, didn't they, away last season and with his pace and power, you'd imagine he, he could cause some some sort of damage down down one of those sides. But uh, as you said, equally, not sure if that's really a route you want to go down, but um, we'll, we'll see what happens. The key word is priorities, isn't it? And if Norwich do want to break their club, record transfer fees on a central defender or a central midfielder, then that limits what you can do elsewhere without a, a major sale. These are the decisions that, that Stuart Webber and co are having to to weigh up this summer. Uh, this is an interesting question from Peter, and then we'll get on to, to some of the outs, um, which kind of lends itself to what we've been speaking about, actually. He says, what are the odds um, that Norwich bring in a £20 million or more player in a loan with an obligation to buy contingent on survival I mean we saw this a little bit last season Gibson and your new list of perfect examples players that perhaps in terms of fees and finance were out of the picture at the moment but maybe in 12 months if they did stay in the Premier League would be more viable is that a route you can see them going down I, I guess we're talking with players on the continent rather than Premier League players because of obviously what we've spoken about in terms of those two slots
1: that's a really interesting question. I can see the, the construct being used again, loan with a view to buy. I'm not sure 20 million. I, I still think even with a survival season behind them and a, another tranche of Premier League broadcasting, I, I don't think they would be entertaining a 20 million pound deal even in 12 months. Um, but but you could see that. You could definitely see, because it's worked for them now with Unulis. It's worked for them successfully with, with Gibson. I just think... If there's players out there who are sort of 20 million and above, then they're probably going to be fairly key operators in their current club. So unless there's been some sort of fallout or something's gone on. um, But again, you know, they've shown how astute they are in the recruitment stakes. And uh, I'm sure that is something they would would consider. But I just don't, I wouldn't see it in the context of a 20 million obligation to buy. I think that's still a bit too rich for Norwich at this stage of the, the sort of development cycle under Weber and Farker.
0: Andre Dido was a £20 million player, wasn't he? I think that was the, the quote I remember Five. at the time. 25, 25 sorry. I've, I've underplayed him a little bit there.
1: Yeah. Well, he did all right in the Euros, didn't he? I think it was one or two games he looked half decent. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. But it just underlines the sort of precarious nature of recruitment per se, but certainly recruitment from overseas as well when you really don't know definitively if they will be able to Which is possibly a slight question mark with Rashida. He, he looks to have it all to be able to hit the ground running, but it might just take him a little while to adapt. You know, it's a different type of football. All the German lads who've come in, you know, to Norwich, they, they often talk about the quite different challenges between playing in the Bundesliga and playing in Championship Premier League. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to just, you know, maybe a bit like Gilmore, give him a little bit of time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Let's
0: let's move to the outs then. Um, let's start with Josh Martin. That's the one that was confirmed yesterday. Joined MK Dons on a, on a season-long loan deal. We know how Norwich operate with loans now. Neil Adams has has, um, really revolutionised that department, hasn't he, in in terms of what he's done and and players being fitted to clubs rather than just sort of thrown into clubs. This will have been something that they will have looked at. And I'm I'm sure Russell Martin and, and his Norwich City connections helped in this as well. We've seen a few players head there on loan, someone with, well, uh, as has Russell Martin has, has said since it was announced, someone who had championship interest, someone who looked in patches relatively promising for Norwich in the championship. I remember uh, the game we went to at, at Stoke when there was a, uh, I want to say in the build-up to one of the goals, some really nice skill on, on the left-hand side for him. We obviously saw the goal against Sheffield Wednesday. Very technical player, sometimes drifted out of games a little bit. I think that's fair to say. This looks on paper like a good fit for all parties, doesn't it?
1: Yes, what on? Yeah, I, I mean he's got abilities, no doubt about it. I mean I go back to this time last year out in Germany. And as much as you play, any store by pre-season, he was he was as good as any player out there. And Daniel Farker was seemingly quite quite keen to involve him. And of course he played because of the the first Luton League Cup tie, which fell in the international window, and he got his opportunity there. And then he played a few more times, but. Funnily enough, when they went back to Luton later on that season in the league uh, and they got beat that night, Michael McGovern was in goal. That was kind of in the midst of some serious injury issues. He played that night again and and he looked a bit off the pace, as they all did. Uh, it was a pretty poor team performance, but I don't know whether that that was because he didn't really feature too much thereafter in second part of the season. He was, he was kind of towards the end, at least. He was back with the development pool. So um, I think maybe the decision was made that, at this stage of his career, he needs to be out playing games at a bit of a lower level to where Norwich are currently going to be operating. And uh, for me, MK Dons is an absolutely perfect environment. You know, Russ is heavily reliant or heavily committed to, to a possession style of football. Um, good technical players he must have there at League One level. And, and this guy, I think, could rip it up there. And if he does, talking about McCallum a little bit earlier, um, if he had a really, really outstanding season at League One level, then, then you would feel he might, you know, and it's pertinent because we're talking there at length about options behind Pookie, not for this season, but maybe seasons to come. You know, if Josh Martin really blossoms at MK Dons, we saw what it did for Ben Godfrey. We don't have to go back to, you know, his season at Shrewsbury, came back, albeit he was playing in defensive midfield, but he came back and got his opportunity and has never looked back. So I'm sure they'll be hoping. At 19, he's still a very young man. You know, he, he was well ahead of the curve getting anywhere near Norwich's first team, I think. Um, which shows you the rate of progress, and what sh- also shows you what Farker thought of him, you know, because as Daniel always says, there'll be no gifts with young players; they get taken to the door, can they walk through it? Gave him his debut in that Premier League project restart period, um, and then, as I say, start of last season. I think if he'd have really put down a marker, he would have had a lot more exposure, and uh, and and we might be talking about him in terms of he- he's one of Norwich's brightest uh, young players, but. As with young players, you talked about it there, Connor. Kind of, you know, consistency is the elusive commodity. That's why Ollie Skip was so impressive what he did last season, albeit a year or two older. But there's a player there, no doubt about it. And you just hope, under Russ's guidance, with the style of football he's, he's trying to impart there at MK, that, you know, he really blossoms and, and comes back. But broadly speaking, that is the model, isn't it? Yeah. it's We've seen it. Reese McAleer has already gone out uh, this summer. There'll be, funny enough, there's another one due to go out later today. another One of the young keepers will be going out on loan. Um, and it's it's one of the planks of what Neil Adams is nominally the, the person in charge of, which is pick, picking the right moments at the right points in these young players' careers to give them the exposure they need so that they either come back, as we just discussed with Soto, come back and they're not really going to feature for Norwich, but you can move them on and maybe make some money. Or they are actually, like a Godfrey, for example, he's a prime example. They come back and they're ready to feature in Norwich's first team. So that's the game, uh, and it's a balancing act. And, and right here, right now, for Josh Martin, they've decided the best port call for him is go and play a season in League One. And, uh, yeah, another one who I think Norwich fans will be hoping he goes and, uh, and does very well and comes back a lot closer to Norwich's first team.
0: Yeah, and who's who's just uh, joined the the coaching staff at MK Dons? Matt Gill, uh, strategic yeah. and development coach, isn't he? Former Norwich under 23s boss, of course. we will forget there uh, what he's what he's been doing for the last two years or so? Um, but clearly, a, a coach that has a track record of developing Norwich City youth talent. So I'm sure that would um, have been in their thinking. Um, let's wrap up. Then I'll, I'll throw a few quick fire ones at your pad that that people are asking, um, we'll start with the Verde Bremen midfielder. There were a few whispers around yesterday. Um, Maxi Eggstein, I, I want to say, Verde Bremen midfielder 24. Um, we, we've had a few questions about those links, it wasn't wasn't linking Norwich City specifically, the initial reports. I think they came from a Verde Bremen fan site as well. It's just been mentioned that there is some interest in England. And I think some Bremen fans have looked at the Rashika deal and maybe um, added two and two and, and, and got five. But in terms of profile and calibre and, and, and maybe even price, he's one that would would tick a lot of boxes.
1: Yeah, I don't know a huge amount about him. But yeah, the link with Bremen is an obvious one, isn't it? So. Given the given the the homework done on Rashika, they'd be well aware of this guy. No two ways about it. Um, but I don't I don't really see that one. And as you say, the original source I don't think was was anything that you would constitute a uh, you know a a, a mainstream media um, actual linking Norwich. I think it was more could he head to England and if so, could he go to Norwich type of vibe. So yeah, I, I wouldn't place too much store by that one at the minute.
0: Cool. A few people have asked about Todd Campwell. any movement in, in terms of his situation?
1: Not that we're aware of, no. Uh, I mean, Villa was the one, wasn't it, this week? But he's been linked to Villa before, so... Um,
0: yeah, well, he was linked as a central midfielder, wasn't he? With James yeah, Walker, and Harry Winks. Harry
1: Winks, I think, yeah. Very, very similar players, him and Harry yeah. Winks. Yeah, very similar midfield players. So, um, <laughs> I don't know, Villa seemed to be wanting to buy every single midfielder in the country at the minute. I see them man for that like, Smith-Rowe at Arsenal. Um as well probably, probably because Grealish is on his bike reportedly we see uh, so they're trying to get their, get their replacements in but no nothing with Cantwell, Cantwell is and 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 pertinent because we're, we're discussing about the three behind now and now Buendia's gone and stephen has gone out the door I'm not sure you would allow Cantwell out unless the, the, the offer is just too good to turn down um, so I, I would think at this stage um, famous last words he, he will still be part of Norwich's plans for the start of Premier League season
0: Let's end then with Josip Dermic, obviously reports from Croatia earlier this week that Rezeka uh, are keen to take him again, but maybe the financials at the moment don't quite make sense. Uh, We've obviously seen Leitner and and Steepman's situations concluded this week. Are you kind of expecting a similar solution with him? Uh, I guess you could throw Tim Closer into that and um, Tom Tribal as as well. They're they're probably the the three you would look at now as saying ones that they clearly like to resolve. Do you see those those sort of situations ending with a similar conclusion or do you think there will be kind of buyers for those three players? It's interesting.
1: I mean, of the three, I think Dermich probably would attract um, an offer um, because, you know, he's still, in terms of his career profile, he, he's still probably capable of doing a, a reasonably decent job at, at the right level in maybe one of the European leagues and he's got the pedigree, you know, what he did before. Yes, he had his injury problems, which is how Norwich were able to pick him up on a three, but... Uh, no, I think that little burst he had um, at Rijeka would, would, I think, probably have put him back on the radar of a few clubs over there. So, yeah, I think if you're Norwich, you probably would be confident that you could uh, come to some sort of arrangement in terms of uh, a transfer fee involved for him. And again, but I know that the wages are clearly were, were fairly substantial, but at least you'd be recouping some of that if you were to get a transfer fee, having not paid a transfer in the first point. Closer and well closer was obviously his heart was set on Basel and it wasn't to be. They didn't take up the buy option. So not quite sure what the future would hold for him. You know, he's, I, I don't know whether you you just sort of go back to sort of Germany, Switzerland maybe and, and find a club there. Or I mean, how old is TK now? Is he 33,
0: 34? Bear with me and I'll, I'll have a look if yeah. you get,
1: Whereas tri- with Tribal, you know, I mean, he did go and play at Blackburn, but he had sort of persistent back issues. So again, I think his fitness would dictate... Um, with Tribal, I could see more of a 12-months-left kind of Lightner Steeperman type of arrangement. And, and what we can say definitively is those three are, are not part of Norwich's plans in the Premier League. They won't be getting a welcome back into the fold. You know, you had the story about Andy Hughes, formerly of the parish, who's going to be coaching those type of players um, when they come back for pre-season training. So, you know, that's a fairly definitive signal. You're not part of Daniel's Premier League set-up. Um, and if, if you're those players... They're all twelve months out from the end of their contracts. Particularly a closer who's you know not got much more time on his side in terms of professional football. Thirty-three
0: what? years, sorry. 33, uh, yeah. I was meant to interject. Yeah,
1: no, that's fine. Yeah, so you'd really want to go and get get some football in your twilight year career, wouldn't you? So, I think of those three, probably in terms of you asking me, could they get fees? I could only really see it for Dermot. I think I think the other two would be maybe a mutual agreement. And uh, thanks for everything you've done, um, but we've moved on.
0: Yeah absolutely lovely stuff paddy thank you very much i can see lots of questions that we've not been able to get through today we've been going for over an hour uh, we, we've tried to get through as many as possible so hold on to those we'll be back again next week you can come and ask us uh, equally we have our, our q a's on, on a monday where we can maybe um answer more of those kind of questions that you've got so if you've if you've got those then um, then hold on to them until then uh, thank you all very much for watching and uh, and yeah thank you for for watching all of these they have been well received so far so we'll keep them up throughout the summer hopefully uh, there'll be something to talk about next week as I'm sure there will the transfer window doesn't slow down does it and uh, hopefully we'll be talking about England in the Euro uh, in the Euro semi-finals as well which would which would be nice enjoy your weekend Pad thank you very much for joining me thank you all very much for watching I'll see you soon